But as, I feel like there's a few things we should talk about with, with Florida. Uh, we haven't really talked about them yeah. too, too much. So I'll just throw this question to you guys briefly while you're um, thinking of where you want to go with them specifically. But outside of obviously Alex Barkov, like, and Matthew Kachuk, maybe who are some who are some maybe under the radar players for Florida that maybe um, maybe many Bruins fans just don't know of because they're not watching a ton of Panthers games, but um, that you'll you'll probably notice them early on in the series and be like, oh yeah, that guy's pretty good. I think for me. I would say it's a uh, Brendan Montour in the back end, but you guys may echo that or maybe have somebody else in mind. I'm always going to go Brandon Montour because he's a UMass guy. So we got to give Brandon Montour props, but another guy that comes to mind maybe, and especially when you talk about the power play, Sam Reinhardt um, has quietly had, you know, a 30 plus goal season. He's I think second on the team in power play goals. Uh, all right. Yeah, let me pull it up here. Um, no, he's first on the team power play goals. He's got 16 power play goals this season. Um, so Sam Reinhardt is a special teams guy that, you know, you might want to keep an eye on, especially on that power play. So, I mean, the only person on the Bruins that has more power play goals than that is Pasta, who has 18. So uh, I think Reinhardt is kind of a guy that gets overlooked maybe when you talk about matchups, but he's, he's a good player as well. And then Montour is a young guy. That's probably why people – um, maybe haven't heard much of him. And he's also been stuck in the past on some pretty bad teams. Uh, he was stuck in uh, Anaheim. He was stuck in Buffalo, I believe. Um, and now he's been able to kind of reach his offensive potential. And uh, he's a really good offensive defenseman back there, fast, young. Well, I say young because he went to school when I was in school. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this is a guy that's going to fly around um, and try to jump in the offense. Yeah, I will say on Montar though, like he can be exposed defensively. He's not a great defender on, you know, I made the comparison this morning, like reminds me a little bit of Tony D'Angelo last year where, yeah, he's, he can absolutely help drive their offense and you have to be aware of him and he's going to help set up goals for them. But if you can get him in his own zone and force him to defend, like you, you can expose him. So that's definitely, you know, the key with Montar, like limit his offense by burying him in his own zone. When um, I heard you compare him to Tony D'Angelo, I know exactly what you mean, but I thought that that was so <laughs> insulting just because of how much I hate Tony D'Angelo. It's like, if, if I was Brandon Montour and somebody said, you reminds me of Tony D'Angelo, I'd be like, what the hell? No, like, how dare you? Yeah. Um, but I know you mean stylistically. Um, yeah, and- as, as far as I know, Brandon Montour, not racist, so... Don't don't, so. don't be throwing the the racist chance down on him. He's a good old U.S. guy, of course <laughs> not. Um, yeah, you know a couple other guys that we haven't mentioned yet. Carter Verhage, guy had forty goals this year. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a really good goal scorer. He's always around the net. Um, you know he buries a lot of the whether he's on a line with Barkov or Kachuk or both. Sometimes they load it all up and put them all together, especially if they're trailing. Like you'll see them load that up. Um, he's the one burying a lot of the chances those guys create. Uh, and another one, Etu Lusterinen, uh, you know, hard name to say, but he has really kind of emerged and become a really nice middle six winger and who can even play some center. Um, you know, I, I don't think he does anything like super flashy, but he's just effective and he's put up some points. So, you know, he'll play somewhere second or third line or, maybe even top line at times, depending on how they shuffle things up. Panthers are a little bit like the Bruins. They've used a lot of 
different line combination sheet. Like most of their top nine can kind of play anywhere. So, um, but he's he's a like a little bit of their Swiss Army knife. You know, I'll compare him a little bit to Zaka in that sense. I think I, I think Zaka's better. I would rather have Zaka, but um, you know, he's he's scored some key goals for them this year, and I think it's just a just a really good all around player. A couple of other good seven game series type of guys in in Florida's lineup, and I maybe maybe they're ailing and they're not good to go for game one. I think I think they are, but maybe not. Would be um, Patrick Hornquist, who obviously had a couple cups with Pittsburgh. Uh, definitely gets under the skin of opponents. I don't know if he's healthy. I know he's battled some injuries this year. And then the other guy would be Sam. I, think, I think he's done. Yeah, I think Hornquist mm-hmm. is done for the year. I don't think they're expecting it, him to play. Then, then yeah. scratch that. He'll be he'll be on the ninth floor with Scott and Bridget eating popcorn. What about uh, what about Sam Bennett? Is he in the, is he healthy for them? I didn't see what his status was Sunday. I, I mean, I know he's he's been skating on his own, but as of Saturday, hadn't practiced yet. So it seems kind of up in the air whether he'll be ready game one or or really any point this series. But yeah, he's he's big for them though because with him, I like their center depth where you line up. Barkov, Bennett, Anton Lundell, another good player we haven't really mentioned yet. And then Eric Stahl is their fourth line center, which I think is where he belongs. But if Bennett's out, then Lundell has to be a second line center, which I think is a little higher than where he should be. And Stahl moves up to third line center, which I just don't think he's really equipped to handle. I think he's, I just think he's lost too much to really be effective in that role at, at his age in this point in his career. So uh, their, their center depth takes quite a bit of a hit if Bennett's out. Yeah. And he hasn't played in a little bit under a month. So he hasn't played since March 20th. So game one's April 17th. So that's just about a month of him not being on the ice as well. So that's something to take into consideration. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if Hornquist was playing and if Sam Bennett was playing, I mean, that's, that would have helped Florida, but that leads me to my next point uh, as to why I think the Bruins are going to win this series and why they're going to be such a difficult team for anybody to beat four times in seven games this year is because I just think that no matter who you are, if you're playing the Boston Bruins this year, their depth will eventually overwhelm you and they'll find a way to break through because they have, they just don't stop with the options and the scoring options and the checking options that, that hop over the boards for them. Like if you're the Panthers, even if you're six, which is a massive task in and of itself, but let's say you come to Boston for games one and two and you shut down the Bergeron line and the Krejci line for two games. Okay, but you still have to face like Zaka and Hall on the third line and Coyle, and you got to face a fourth line that can that's capable of scoring. It's just it's and and that's not even to, to mention the you know the defenseman that can chip in or the Bruins having a strong outing from their goalie. I just think that the Bruins depth hopping over the boards is just, it's, it's going to be really difficult for anybody to match up with. Um, even the contenders to match up with, let alone Florida who, you know, on paper, they're pretty good. They came on strong late, but let's face it. I mean, they finished with 90, 92 points. The Bruins had 135. The Bruins should win this series and they should win it pretty handedly. I'm not, not to say that the game is played by robots because it's not, but, it, but, this is the problem with the Bruins this year is like when you go into this postseason, you don't want to say it's cup or bust because that's, it kind of sounds inhumane. It's like when the cup, you suck. 
But for this team, this season, what they've built, what the roster that they have and how they were able to build it and how, how they can't keep that forever. This is what happens when you, when you, when you have the greatest season in, in the history of the league, regular season, you have, you create those expectations. So it starts tomorrow. And I think the Bruins depth will be the biggest reason that they're able to accomplish their, their, their hope, hopeful goal this year. Yeah. And it's really just one thing I want to circle back to um, about the matchup, which is the, so something that we've talked about a few times heading into it when we were arguing, you know, would it be a better matchup? Panthers, Islanders, Penguins, obviously the Penguins, Scott was right. They had one more bad loss in them and they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, really, they didn't look like a playoff team at the end there. Um, but Florida made their case to be a playoff team. They're in the playoffs now and they have some guys that can bang you up and a guy that we haven't talked about too much yet. Cause we were talking about, you know, some guys that, uh, maybe people don't know as much about, but Kachuk is going to probably be front and center this whole series. And I was looking up some of his penalty stats and you know what? Brendan Montour also is up there with over a hundred penalty minutes this year. Um, They both are in the top 10 in penalty minutes. So is AJ Greer, Um, but because Brendan uh, Montour can't play defense. So yeah, Brendan Montour. Yeah. See, those are the kind of penalties that they take because they're hooking a guy at the last second because they're, you know, they're behind the play. Like those are the, those are the kind of penalties you don't want to take. Uh, Kachucks are more that kind of thing, but also the being extra physical, the way that he plays. So um, I don't know if you guys just want to touch a little bit more on Kachuk and how much of a factor he could be. And also how the mat, like, how would you match up against him? What are you looking for in terms of, coverage for him because he's a really good net front guy um he's he's big he's physical he's one of those guys in the playoffs that you want to have on your team that's um he's kind of built for the playoffs you know what's interesting about Kachuk is like his hits were down quite a bit this year like he's generally around 100 or over 100 hits and this year I think he finished with 69 nice um <laughs> Scott <laughs> um but yeah, but obviously, like, he still has that in him. Like, he's still a very physical player. He's, like, a true power forward. Um, I want Lindholm or Orlov out against him as much as possible. And the fact that you have two guys that you're comfortable or that you want out there against him is, like, an incredible luxury to have. Um, he's He plays on the right side. He plays his offside. So he's going to be going against your left defenseman a lot. So the fact that you can throw a Lindholm and an Orlov at him is great. And I'll, you know, I like those chance, those guys chances against pretty much anyone, at least to slow him down. Look, Kachuk's going to get some points. There's no question. You're not, you're not totally blanking him, but um, I, I do think the Bruins are as well equipped to defend him as anyone because they have two very good left shot defensemen who can skate, who are smart, who are very good defensively, who are strong and, you know, and can be physical when called upon too. Yeah. I think that's, those are great points, Scott. I agree. I think, I think Boston is well equipped to handle him. Uh, For me, it's, it's, it's more about, um, you know, after the whistles between the whistles with him and just, if he can, if he can pull the Bruins off their game a little bit and agitate them and get under their skin, um, 
I think he's winning, right? He, he he's he's obviously he's a point producer. Uh, you've made comments about him not being a massive point producer in the playoffs in the past. Um, but for him, he's one of those players where it's just he does so much outside of the score sheet too, and to 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 impact a game or a series. And um, you know, phys- whether he's scoring or not, he's going to be playing physical, and and um, it's going to be up to the Bruins to to kind of knock him down a peg. You know, maybe he goes out and takes a run at Pasternak, and then Nick Foligno challenges him to a fight and in a perfect world, Matthew Kachuk obliges and they settle a score. And he says, you can't do that anymore. But in reality, Matthew Kachuk will probably skate away and go Felino into a, into a instigator penalty. And then Florida goes up on the power play and it was, they score and it's one, nothing. And then when he's back at the confines of sunrise, Florida in his own building, maybe then he'll try to, you know, get the Bruins to, to drop the gloves when it's, doesn't make sense for them. So that's the kind of agitator that Matthew Kachuk is outside of the point scoring. So he's going to be somebody you have to keep an eye on and just, yeah, just play him tough, play him tough. And, um, and, and, uh, but he's, he's a great player. I mean, I mean, people say about Brad Marsh and hate to play against him. We'll love to have him on your team. I mean, he's right up there with, 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 with that, um, that award, that fan award, in my opinion, I think he's awesome. In fact, I very much look forward to watching him and his brother Brady, um, be a former line of Bash Brothers, quite literally, for the next international uh, tournament that takes place for the U.S. So I'm a huge fan of Matthew Kachuk and what he does. I'm just not going to look forward to watching him do it to uh, some of the some of the, the local boys the next couple of weeks. All right, Scott, is that was that the last thoughts from you guys on the matchup? Anything else? Yeah, I think I think I ran out of ideas at an hour. So, well, I would that's just say true. Probably, oh, that's, that's why Sunday skates only one hour. <laughs> I would say I would say I would say we, you know, be remiss if we didn't give a couple of predictions though. I mean, that's kind of a true. That's where we're. That's what we're finished then. I mean, I look. I already know what Scott's going to say. Right off the bat, I went with Bruins sweep. I got to say, if Bergeron misses a game or two, I don't feel as great about that. But I already made the prediction. It's it's in writing. It's on the last podcast. It's on Sunday Skate, so I got to stick with it. Bruins and four. And he was, like, emphatic about it this morning. So he can't really change off of it in, what, how long has it been? Like, five hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take, take a turn here. But um, I could see – Panthers and seven. Could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could see Florida winning one, so why don't we say um, Bruins in five? All right. Well, I'll just keep climbing the ladder step by step. I'm taking Boston in six. I think I do think Florida's going to um, – I don't know if they're going to give Boston a scare, but I do think they're going to make them start questioning things at one point in the series about what the, if the Bruins really want this season to end um, in April, April or not. So I think um, – I do think the Bruins will win the series. I think they'll win it in six games. Um, six games or fewer. I don't see it going seven, but I do think Florida is a, I do think they bring challenges that um, might be being underplayed by, by, by people looking at the series that, because on paper it should be a Bruins sweep. As Scott said, I just think that the game's played by humans and um, we'll see what happens, but I think it's, I think Boston in six or fewer. So uh, with that, yeah, as you guys mentioned, we are over an hour. Um, well, do you want to just quickly mention the um, schedule? Sure. Yes. Do you either of you have it in front of you? Yes, I got it. So obviously game one, Monday, 
the first three games are all 7.30 p.m. starts. So Monday in Boston at 7.30, Wednesday in Boston at 7.30, then series switches over to Florida Friday at 7.30, and then uh, Sunday, the 3.30 game. I think that the Sunday game is the only one that's not on Ness in this series. And then there's those, you know, to-be-determined games, which will be next Wednesday and Friday and I think they're Sunday. I think they're all on they're all in Ness and even the Sunday afternoon one. Oh, are they okay? Um, yeah, ABC didn't take any of them, so so yeah, so that means you can watch everything locally here. I, I know ESPN also is is going to be at um because Sean McDonough is going to be doing the games Monday and Wednesday as well. So I assume that you'll be able to watch that feed if that's what you want to watch um in Boston as well. So options. Lots of options. Um, but yeah, so that's what the schedule looks like um, for the next few days. And um, yeah, I'm already worried about how I'm going to get there during the marathon. But, you know, and there's also a Red Sox game. And yeah. Busy, busy day, fun day, though. Yes, hopefully so. Yeah. So I'll be watching on Nesson, but it'll, it'll be muted. So that's that's why I'm going to watch the game. <laughs> until further notice um <laughs> no no reason just just gonna mute it so um yeah you guys mentioned tomorrow's obviously marathon monday so um for those listening who are potentially um running in it or have friends or family running in it or you're volunteering or there's somebody that you're supporting that's there and you're cheering them on um way to go and enjoy the day if you're in boston or wherever you are uh enjoy game one of the first round of the playoffs and uh, Bridget Scott, if you have nothing else, I think that probably wraps it up. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you very soon.